You are now tuned in to DAR Sports Media. It was a very unmerry Christmas as the Grinch Ravens came down the chimney and stole happiness and joy from the rest of America like they were stealing the ball out of the air from Brock Purdy all game long. Um, I know people are chomping at the bit. Man, one thing I did notice, and I'm sure Tay notice this as well and we'll have some things to say you know i did not expect quite the level there were some people out there who were just agonizing with thirst for brock purdy to have a shitty game so they could come out of the fucking woodwork and run their fucking mouth they were they were fucking all over it 10 minutes into the game, I said, God damn, I know you guys nut fast because you get real excited real fast. I said, man, there's a lot of time left, a lot of stuff going on. Um, So it was a public execution, but I'm not um, especially torn up about it because it's kind of like, oh, okay, you know, they came in our house took the food off the table, took the presents from out from underneath the tree. All that needs to happen for that to occur is for us to give them five turnovers and a hundred penalty yards. It was a fucking nightmare avalanche of whatever could, can go wrong, will go wrong. Drive sustaining penalties, penalties from the fucking punter, putting them into over the 50 yard line right off the bat. Just, just one thing after another, after another, every fucking crazy bounce, tipped pass, last second hit the arm, intercept, just. On the other hand, the 49ers outgained the Ravens in yards, yards per play, and pretty much every statistical category other than penalties, turnovers, and the score. That is a great fucking way to lose a game. Christian McCaffrey had nearly eight yards per carry. He had over 100 yards on just 14 carries. I'm extremely confident if this game was played again, not saying the Niners would win, because I also definitely don't want to come across like I'm not giving the Ravens credit, because the Ravens, we're mauling our offensive line in pass protection. No fucking two ways about it. Lamar Jackson on several fucking occasions made very clear that he is indeed the MVP by making our top three defense look like a fucking high school squad repeatedly running around. But given the stats that I laid out and the situation and the way things went last night, I'm pretty damn confident if they played again, things would look a lot different. Um, but it was what it was. A fucking shit show. Fun time for Ravens fans. I invite you to, you know, like these other teams, you're going to hang up a banner in your stadium. We beat the 49ers in 2023. Oh, everybody's Super Bowl when they do that. Great, great job. I'm just joking. The Ravens got bigger things. This is a microcosm of everything that I've talked about for the entire existence of this podcast. In July, I said the 49ers pass protection is going to be their biggest fucking weakness. 
not just that, but the right side of the line is going to be the biggest fucking weakness. The right side of the line gave up 15 pressures and three sacks last night. Just the right side. And then all season long, I've been talking about the sloppy play. Well, there you go. 10 penalties, over 100 yards and penalty yards. Two of their drives started on the other side of the fucking 50. If you want to give the best team in the AFC five turnovers and 100 yards and penalty yards, this is going to happen every fucking time. The fact that we were only down by four with three penalties and 70 yards or 70 penalty yards and three turnovers at half. Like I said, says a lot. I don't know if it would quite look like this if we played again, but that remains to be seen as of right now. The Ravens are enjoying those presents they snatched from underneath the tree. Axe, how you feeling, man? I'm feeling great. The fact that the defense executed four sacks. I mean, I'm going to say four interceptions. I kind of don't want to count that fifth one. That was like in garbage time. But the defense was flying around. Special teams played at a high level. Shout to Tylen Wallace carving out a role as a punt returner with Devin DuVernay being out. Um, Lamar making great plays, like outside the pocket, extending plays, finding multiple receivers. He's just in a different zone right now. On pace for 3,700 passing yards and 900 rushing yards. I understand people are talking about he doesn't have enough touchdowns to be the MVP and things of that nature. But Gus Edwards has 12 touchdowns, six yards and in. So that's pretty much the reason why Lamar doesn't have more touchdowns. Because we're handing it off to Gus Edwards, who's been consistent. Lamar, if you listen to his um, post-game press conference, he pretty much was saying we got all the regular season accolades in 2019, but we didn't finish. He's like, we got to close the deal this time. He really only cares about Super Bowl. So, like, honestly, McCaffrey could probably get MVP because he still had a strong game yesterday. And like you said, I don't know why they didn't use him more. But he he could be MVP, depending on how Tyreek plays next week or how Tua plays these next two weeks. They could get it. Like, Lamar's just focused on trying to get the Super Bowl, trying to get that playoff record better so people can stop holding that against him. Because the man is what, like 56 and 18 or something like that overall, 21 against the NFC. Like he's got so many impressive accolades, but anytime you bring up anything he does in regular season, but oh, but the playoff numbers though. Oh, he wasn't healthy the past two years. XX, like, it's just, he needs this year. This is the season where the other AFC teams look weak. It's just, this is the year for it to happen. And we that's need why, it to happen. Cause that's like, why it's the right? biggest dice roll because I, they're, by my estimation, like head and shoulders above the AFC right now, maybe other than the Dolphins. But I don't really Last have any faith in the Dolphins to to drop their nuts enough to to do anything with them in the playoffs. So we get a preview if, with if, them. If they flame out, it's a bad look. No, but right. that's then. Oh, the Browns are probably their toughest matchup. Yeah. I think yeah, the, Browns the Browns are, are, toughest, toughest are a tougher matchup than the Dolphins are. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I believe in the Browns, man. I believe in them. They're a great team. So, speaking of great teams and great quarterbacks, 
Got to do this part. Look, I Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, several others. All of them have multiple four interception games. Peyton Manning has seven of them for interception games. I don't want to sit here and, and like make it sound like there's too much excuse making going on, but two of them were tipped. One of them, the guy's arm was hit while he was throwing the ball. Had it come up short. Now, the second one that was tipped, that was a bad choice. Should have never been thrown. There's a reason that there's a cliche that you don't never throw late and over the middle. And that's what he did. And exactly why you don't throw late and over the middle is what happened. It's because there's a lot of traffic and there's a lot of guys who are just looking at the ball. So, um, like I said, a lot of people were seemed to be having literally the best day of their life last night because Brock Purdy was having some struggles. Um, it didn't work out. It didn't work out, but I don't think it's nearly as, as catastrophic as people uh, were making it out to be so gleefully, which is great. I hope you all had the best day because there's a lot of days yet to come, a lot of big football games to be played. And I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember. Tay, what do you think? I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm expecting you to probably be in agreement here. Yeah. You know, everyone has their time. I'm not going to win every single game. So, I still think the 49ers are the best team in the NFL. I just think they caught them on their absolute worst. Maybe I sound like a hater for that, but I don't know. I just think, like, they just play their worst game of football. Like, and, and you're you're due for that. Like, you know, you want it is the timing of it was bad. The team they were playing at that time was bad. I mean, the offense was moving the ball and stuff like that. Everyone McCaffrey played good. IU looked good. Kittle looked, looked great. But like it just they got crazy the shit field. kept happening. <laughs> yeah, they got down the field a lot. They kept getting down the field. Turn the ball over on the other side of the field, like you just can't, you can't win like that. That's not a winning recipe, but they they know that because they're, they're they're a great team. I mean, it's it's not hating because, like I said, they had three turnovers and seventy penalty yards, and they were only down by four. Yeah, that's just playing a bad game. Honestly. That's that's like so. True, you're over there had the chuckles. What do you think of all of this? This Ravens 49ers game. <clears throat> Uh, several things there, brother. I could see the pain in your face right now, and it it brings me no joy to see you see you uh go through this. I I don't I don't like any of my brothers to take L's. I'm not going uh, through anything. It's all good. It's okay. You don't you it's don't have good. To, you don't have to, you don't have to lie to us, man. We're here. We're here for you, guy. Look, this is a lot of games. Rock Purdy. <laughs> Brock Purdy. Have fun. God, I hope you are all having fun. Having the best uh, time. Well, shot, uh, we might be joined by somebody else in just a few seconds. I hope so. Uh, I hope that Chucklehead gets on here. So, um, no, it might not no, be who so, I think it is. Nah. Um, <clears throat> I, I wish we could have a, a, a follow on. But, That's who I know. thought you were talking about. That's what I was hoping nah. was coming. Nah, you know, it's after Christmas. Uh, I know he you know, I know but, he got the fucking giggles right now. It's all right. Oh okay. no, he he yeah, he, he's enjoying this. But um 
It's all right. Laugh now. That's the first half of the tattoo. You know what the second part is. <laughs> Cry later. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyways, so no, your thoughts on so this no. game. So I, you know, I was shocked, man. I, I think um after what was otherwise a shitty, a shitty day for me. Um, I kind of sat down and uh started watching the game and I'm not gonna lie, I was a little annoyed by the game at first because I was like, yo, what the fuck are these people doing? Like, what the fuck are they doing here, man? Like, this shit was it was awful, you know, it was an awful game. And um, you know, the 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 safety, which was a little sketchy because of uh <laughs> Oh, that's been forgotten in all of the Yeah, like, that was a hell of a the, game last night. Oh like all, all of the you know, all of the talk of kind of, you know, sports and sometimes it could be a little, you know, possibly rigged or a little sketch. That was a very sketchy situation. Now, I don't know what that was about. I don't know if somebody bet on a safety, uh, you know, one team to get a safety or something. I didn't even know you could do that shit, but you might be able to. But whatever it was, that started off what was a weird game because the 49ers usually look more poised, they look more focused. And Brock Purdy, it just it just wasn't clicking. And I think the Ravens defense has to be from uh, obviously commended for the the hell of a job they did. Um I think going into halftime, I think the the thought that I had was we're about to see the second half is going to be a shootout. That's what I thought at halftime. I'm thinking it was a right, shootout. Man, it know, was a shooting. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, I'm thinking, you know, like 49 is just, you know, they they a little skittish, had a little issues. Like they'll bounce back. Baltimore, you know, going to probably be a little better next go around. Um, and the next half started and it just kind of, it went so fast that I didn't even have time to process. I, I look up, it's 30. 30 to 12 and I was like the fuck just happened so um I don't know man like I said I I think the one thing I don't like about the fallout from this game is that people are acting as if it is absolutely insane to insinuate by any chance that Lamar is the MVP and it's been very weird to me to see that from people because I'm looking at this and I'm thinking which is insane because he is the fucking MVP that's it. It's he fucking and, and, is. And, did you like? I had to respond to a couple of Twitter accounts today. Like, did you even watch the fucking game? And I, you it know, shit looked I, like a high school game with him running around shaking people. Top three defense. It's fucking over, man. I mean, unless we're gonna start giving the thing to wide receivers or running backs, then Tyree Kill, CMC, flip a coin. But no, if we're still going quarterback, it's. It's fucking Lamar. It's not even close. You know, you know what I say? I always put it like this, right? So there are people who, who you know, I think, to, you know, Tyreek Hill has a, has a good case for it. I think CMC has a good case for it. But the one thing I think is funny, I, I'll use the NBA method too, right? Because if CMC has a good case for it, people said Brock Purdy has a good case for it. And I felt like you got two guys on the same team that you can make a good case for. Whereas if you look at Baltimore, you don't really have – who who are you gonna make a case for for them having it was a twelve and three record? It that's like they have a good defense, 
And but it's like they got Zay Flowers. That's you know young rookie. You got washed up Odell Beckham, Shar Bateman. You got uh, Nelson Aguilar. Like you don't have guys that are like jumping off the page when you see. You know what I'm saying? So I I just feel like this uh, like Lamar to me cemented it. You know I think. Um, you know, it was talk about, I mean, it, it seems like every week there's a different name, right? There's a different name. It's for first is Brock Purdy's and it's Dax. Um, you know, and, and now people are, I see people trying to force the Josh Allen conversation a little bit. And I'm like, nah, bro. Like, if you're going to give it to anybody, give it to Lamar. And I think Lamar can completely shut everybody up if they manage to take care of business at home against the Dolphins. So, I think that's like people just looking for stupid shit to just kind of grasp at. And I, I, I think it was, I think it was a great show on by Lamar. Like, you know, the first half wasn't necessarily like the first half to me. I didn't think the Ravens played like super, like super great. Um, I think they were a little more poisoned in the second half. And I thought, um, you know, uh, I mean, I like the, the 49ers kind of waved the flag to me, you know, Brock pretty got a little hurt and then you put Sam Darnold in. Although Sam Donald did get a touchdown and it was very close to being a one score game. <clears throat> um, I just think, you know, I think the Ravens kind of take the, I mean, Ravens have a tendency to take their foot off the gas when they get big leads. We've seen it the last two years anyway. So if not, not longer than that, but definitely the last two seasons. So um, it, was, you know, it is what it is. They came, it came into the 49ers home and, and you know, they, they put their feet on, their, on your couch. And that's, that's what they did. And, you know, it is what it is. Brock Purdy will bounce back. He'll have a good good game next week, whatever. And, and, well, I was gonna say, Tay, it's actually lucky for you because um, 49ers might go ahead and get Ron Rivera up out of there next week. Because I can't wait. <laughs> They're probably gonna come in there and not be super week. pleased with themselves. <laughs> I can't wait for that. The game of the week, right there. I can't wait. Um, we've been joined. The powerhouse Peagle. We are obviously kicking things off here, Peag, with Ravens 49ers. Um general consensus. Uh, you know, we think a lot of crazy shit happened that in that game. Things might go a little differently next time. Um, but the Ravens fucking handled their business, did their thing. Lamar is the MVP. General thoughts on last night's sham of a game. <laughs> I figured you would say that. I, th- I think that, I mean, the one thing that, you know, the kind of the old cliche is that defense and running games travel. So I think what you saw, in, particularly in the second half from the Ravens, is the real team. And then obviously what you saw from the 49ers is not, you know, like Brock, I think we had four picks, probably half of them were on him. Um, I mean, I know there was one where he got hit, but that was a throw he probably shouldn't have made in the tried to make in the first place. Um, you know, the other two were tips, but it'll be a better game. But I do think out of all the teams that you kind of look at as contenders, the Ravens are kind of better suited to um to handle them. But I mean, as far as the whole MVP talk, you know, I, I try not to be like the person that goes week to week where it's, you know, like everybody else has been doing in the media where one week it was Mahomes, the next week it was Hurts, the next week after that it was Dak, then it was Brock, and then it was back to Dak. And then like that, that shit is stupid to me because you're basically saying that one bad game means you can't be an MVP. Um, I will say that Lamar has 
earn that position based on his play and where the Ravens are. But I would still have Brock Purdy probably top three in that conversation. And being not being number one in that conversation don't mean you don't win it. I think Brock Purdy, I mean, Sam Darnold came in and scored a touch and, and got the touchdown, but defense is prepared for who they expect to start. You come in with Sam Darnold, anybody seen Sam Darnold playing forever? That motherfucker got a beard. I, I barely recognized him when he came out there. So nobody expected that shit. He came oh, out, he had a great drive, and then, and then right after that, he, he was like, yeah. shit. Well, and when he was about to, when shit got a little bit real, the Ravens were like, I, okay, stop fucking around. They, yeah. they got a couple of sacks and they got an interception, just like they had been doing. You know, and, and I'm like, I'm past the point in my, like, football fan journey where, like, if, if you had caught me, like, six years ago, I ain't giving the 49ers no credit. I'm shitting on Brock Purdy every chance I get. I mean, even now, I still get my jokes off. But I'm I'm at the point now, you know, Eagles won a Super Bowl in my lifetime. I'm cool. So I can kind of <laughs> look at things a little more objectively and shit. And I'm like, look, I don't look at the 49ers as rivals, mainly because they're not. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's no history there. There's nothing, there's nothing there. You know what I mean? Um, so I expect them to be the top team in the NFC. I expect them to be the main contender for the Super Bowl. Um but they're beatable, just like any – like, there's no clear-cut best team. Every single team in the top three to four of each conference is easily beatable. And the Chiefs are just booty right now. Yeah. Um, you said the Chiefs, and we were about to segue to that subject anyways. Um, I just got to say, like, you know, you said every team is beatable, and everybody was tap dancing. Oh, the Niners, they got beat by double digits in their own house. Da, da, da. Yeah, awesome. All that has to happen, the formula, all that has to happen is you just need them to give you five turnovers and 100 penalty yards. As long as that happens every week, they'll they'll get beat by double digits. Great, great, great shit, everybody. Um, <laughs> you said the Chiefs. Little segue into that because it was a topic that uh, the rest of the, the, the panel wanted to discuss before we got on. Um, it's a dual thing. What the fuck is going on down there? Are the Chiefs done? And furthermore, uh, a lot of people are thinking, "Hey, man, we need to get another." Antonio Pierce kind of deserves his job. Maybe. What do you think? I think. Uh, so to start with the Chiefs, the problem is Matt Nagy, flat out. Problem is that Matt Nagy and Andy Reid's continued refusal over the last 25 years to get any receiver work for damn. But it's mostly Matt Nagy. And I said this earlier on Twitter. Mahomes struggling and Hurts struggling are the two greatest indicators of how important a good offensive coordinator is. Because it's funny you, you say at, that because we're talking about that offensive coordinator next. <laughs> well, yeah. Would you look at like Shane Steichen? And Nick Sirianni came out last week and said, well, we're running the same offense. It's my offense. You know, the responsibility is on me. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But Shane had them boys looking crazy last year. Everybody, like, everybody was open. Hertz was getting that ball out. It was nuts. And for Brian Johnson to come in and for everything to look this bad, that says something about the offensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy was out there and in Kansas City, and they won a fucking Super Bowl with Juju Smith-Schuster as the number one. It's like, nobody gives a fuck about Juju. That's the only thing they're missing is Juju Smith-Schuster. That's it. Matt Nagy get there, Mahomes can't do shit. And it's not got nothing to do with either their lack of or either of their talent. They're great quarterbacks. But if your offensive coordinator has no feel for the game, no rhythm, you're going to look like shit. 
Hey, you had a you look like you had a thought there. Yes, I do. I think I think them losing Juju is the reason. I'm not gonna lie. Let me explain. Like, yeah, Juju isn't a big name or nothing like that, but you can count on him to win on every route. Oh, if you look at their receivers now, I said it at the beginning of the year, they do not have any <laughs> they, they don't have they don't have anyone on their <laughs> They don't have any receivers that can win on every route. Like you can go down the line, all their receivers. Give me a receiver that you are comfortable with them winning on every route. Short, intermediate, deep, comebacks, anything. They don't have that. And you know who could do that? Juju could. And that's exactly what that's that's exactly why they won a the Super Bowl last year. Remember that that penalty at the end of the game? Who ran a route? Juju, because he can win on every route. They don't have that now. They don't have a guy like that. I'm no Juju fan. But I'll tell you this, he can run every route in the book. And they don't have a guy like that now. So having someone like that opens up the offense. To me personally, I think Juju was a played a big part last year. Like he's no Tyreek Hill, but he filled the role just enough. He filled the role just like they didn't look like a high-powered offense like they normally did last year, but it was just enough to win games, you know? And yeah, they don't have that. Like Juju, he is not the best. But he got he got the route tree down packed. None, none of these other guys do. And he can catch too. Another thing, these Chiefs receivers can't catch too. So I think Juju was actually pretty important. Hey, you or uh, Axe, you uh, had thoughts on this and had thoughts on the uh, the Antonio Pierce uh, component of it. Well, Chiefs are definitely in trouble. Um, offense looking so stagnant. I definitely agree with Peagle as far as the Matt Nagy component. Uh, we already saw what his offense looked like in Chicago as they progressively got worse. So I don't really understand bringing him in. Losing Eric Bieniemy definitely hurts them. Um, defense, they're playing solid, but I don't know. It's just no type of fear element. I think them having to go on the road for the playoffs, that's going to be something different. So they they don't look good. Like, usually you want to head into the playoffs playing at a high level. You know, like a team like the Rams, they're winning consistently and, like, heading into the playoffs with some good momentum. But the Chiefs, it's just – they look rough. Mahomes is definitely getting frustrated with the O-line and the receivers. I find that interesting. i never really seen him be vocal. Can't imagine him in that Kermit the Frog voice yelling at me, though. I don't think I would take that personally as a man. But <laughs> – it's just um, Kadarius Tony's been disappointing. Rice hasn't done well. Sky Moore, like the receiving core, just doesn't have a guy who can win one on one. MVS, he has a drop problem. So it's just too, it's problematic. Like I'm concerned if I'm a Chiefs fan. Like I don't see a path for them. I don't see them beating Dolphins or the Ravens in the playoffs or the Browns. In all honesty, I think the Browns' defense give them hell. They could probably um, take Kelsey out the game and make it hard for him. That, that's the word right now until another receiver steps up. And as far as uh, well, what was you going to say, Eric? Oh, no, I was going to ask you, did Antonio Pierce win that job in your mind? Yes, I believe so. Uh, they played better. I know they had the one rough game where they were scoreless, but outside of that, 
they played fairly well against um they almost beat Miami when Paris was in the interim. They put up 62 points randomly. Um, they beat the Chiefs on the road. I feel like he's done well enough. I remember last time the Raiders had an interim coach. He took them to the playoffs, and they decided not to bring him back and went for the big name, and then they fired the big name. So they already got, like, four different motherfuckers on their payroll, if I'm not mistaken. I think John Gruden's still getting paid by them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I would lock this down. I wouldn't try to go outside. The players definitely love playing for him. You can tell the energy is infectious. Even when Josh McDaniels was there, McDaniels would ask Pierce to give the speeches because he relates to the players better. Whew. So Rough. Yeah, like that's too many signs to where he deserves that job, in my opinion. I would give it to him. I, the think, the key, tag off. I think the key thing there is who he gets for his offensive coordinator. We're going right, to segue right. that right into the conversation about what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles and their beloved offensive coordinator. Um, we had a short conversation before, and this relates to the Antonio Pierce thing as well. Because I think we all agree that there's a pretty, still a, a pretty egregious, pretty egregious lack of black coaches in the NFL, given the ratios of the players and, and, and all those things and the level of uh, the lack of equity that, um that, people of color are afforded in, in the league. They are the engine behind. Um, and I think that we've, it's, it's been identified that one of the primary things that are hurt, that's hurting that other than the obvious is the lack of pipeline um, on the offensive side of the ball, that being black quarterback coaches, black offensive coordinators, um, position players, position coaches like that. Um, because teams are more hesitant to hire defensive side of the ball guys nowadays. And that's where you see the majority of black head coaching candidates reside. This Brian Johnson thing, which me and Axe were shocked to to discuss before. I can't believe it's the, the guy we saw quarterback in uh, University of Utah. Just, just It feels like just a few years ago. Um, can't believe it's the same guy. Things have gone rough especially lately. And I guess the question is, you know, I just, I have mixed feelings because it's tough because you want to see, um, you want to see black coaches uh, afforded the opportunities to be in those types of positions, OCs, quarterback, quarterback coaches. Uh, but it's, it's tough. It, it's, it's a tough situation when he was afforded the opportunity and it's kind of crashing and burning at this point. Peagle, take on all that. I mean, he's not good at it right now. <laughs> like, <that's>, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can have all the societal discussions about it, but he's just not good at it. You know, uh, the, the issue is, again, Nick Sirianni saying it's his offense. That's all well and good. But he's not a good play caller. He doesn't have a very good feel for the flow and the rhythm of a game. I'm sitting here watching the games, and I'm going, okay, they should probably run this. And then here comes a fucking wide receiver screen. That dude calls wide receiver screens like old black ladies hand out peppermints in church. I'm sick of seeing the shit. It's just, it's not a good play call when you have all that talent. Devontae Smith is one of the best route runners in the league. Very underrated because he's the number two right now. AJ Brown's a fucking tank. You don't need to throw sideways. Let them boys get out there in open space. Let them work. You got Dallas Goddard at tight end. who's probably when he's going a top three tight end in the league. 
Grant Calcaterra, young tight end, had his first catch of the entire season the other night. Very good. The yep. Dallas Goddard light type player. He can he can play. We have all of these weapons. We have DeAndre fucking Swift, who's averaging like something crazy, like 4.7 yards a carry. Something ridiculous like that. Can't get him the ball. As soon as we start running the ball consistently, he's going nuts, jumping over motherfuckers. He just has no sense for the talent around him or kind of what's necessary to move throughout the game. I mean, I hate say, I hate making these arguments, but you take away those two ridiculous plays, we blow them out 33 to 10. And it's not because of him. It's because of the throws that Jalen was making, the plays that everybody else was making. You look at the Seahawks game, that's that's mostly on the offense. I mean, the defense blew, you know, shit their pants on that last drive. But that's mostly on the offense, and that's just due to bad play calling. Jalen wasn't too bad in that game, but he was good enough to make that work if your play calling was straight. You look at the Cowboys game. They beat our ass score-wise, but the one thing people ain't paying attention to, the defense did their job in that second half. They only scored nine points. If the offense does anything, that's either a closer game or we win it. Like, the struggles that have come with this team have come on the back of the offense because you can't rely on that front four to get out there and get pressure every single snap. It's just not going to happen. So the offense has got to stay on the field a little bit. You know how you do that? You run the fucking ball. That's it. Run the ball, and then you can do more downfield <sighs> shit. But you can't expect Jalen to drop back 35, 40 times a game, wait for these long-developing routes and make something happen, and then you go, well, he's holding on to the ball too long. No shit. Got the top two offensive line in the league. Run the fucking ball. Hey, was this uh, too much too soon? For Brian Johnson, should have should the opportunity been held off? Is it is he worse off now? Are we worse off with the agenda with him kind of looking like shit? Um, yeah, the the Eagles coordinator has been pretty bad, but uh, this is why I say I don't like head coaches that don't call plays like stuff like this. Like, I I feel like. As a head coach, like you're not, you you see how bad it gets. And you you got to step in sometimes. You got you got to save it. And I just I don't like coaches like that. Like, because what do you do? You just a motivational, yeah, hire overpaying motivational speaker. I me, I do not like coaches like that. Like I just, it's a, like enough is enough. It's like, it's to me, it's like a a starting quarterback blaming a backup quarterback. That's how I see it. I, that's how I think, and I, I don't like that. I need the head coach to step. I need him to call the plays. Now let's see, let's see how good this team is. I mean, offensive coordinator is bad. Okay, you do it then. That, that's how I I feel about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's not a good coordinator. I mean, that happens. It's really hard to be an offensive coordinator. Like if you think about it, a lot of the offensive coordinator hires, don't really go well. Like I'll say like fifty percent. You know, like. A lot of teams get an offensive coordinator and they suck still, and you just gotta look elsewhere and do it again. But uh, yeah, like the recipe to win in the NFL is an offensive-minded head coach who calls plays. That's how you win. And, you know, I don't think these teams with these uh motivational speakers that head coach are gonna really amount to anything. You know, so I mean that's just me. Some people love that, like John Harbaugh and that. Okay, Mike Tomlin. I don't think they're important. <laughs> Outside of motivation and whatnot, but yeah, I, I think now to win, you need a you need an offensive minded head coach. Like that calls, please. I I gotta add that in there. But um, yeah, 
That, that that's how I feel about it. Like I think Eagles are talented. Like you were saying, they're talented. They got um best O line in the league. I mean, just look at what they did last year. This is the exact same team as last year. Like as far as their personnel, it's like this. It's the same team. I'd it's say better. Team. I'd say DeAndre yeah. Swift is more dynamic than than what they had last year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's even better, you know. And I just, I don't know. I I just think more accountability on the head coach needs to come instead of offensive coordinator. Like people was blaming Matt Canada for the Steelers' offense. What is Mike Tomlin doing? That's how I see. I don't really like the offensive court. Like, yeah, you can blame him. Yeah, hold them accountable too. But head coach need to be held accountable as well. They nine times out of ten they hired them. Then they're just watching them fail at their job. They're not doing anything. They're still just motivating the team every week. So even you know even Kyle Shanahan who calls the plays when that shit went wrong uh against the Vikings when Wilts called that blitz Shanahan said no nah, man I, I allowed that mm-hmm. he yeah. said I should I should have vetoed that I should have said something about it yeah you right. know so yeah, yeah. yeah, hey, yeah man. To, to tell his point because I actually do agree with him I'm not a big fan of head coaches that don't call plays Nick Sirianni did start off calling plays, and it went terribly the first six games. I think we were like two and four or something crazy like that, and he gave it up. So to his credit, he realized that he couldn't do the shit that well, and he (laughs) let it go. But that's a little weird given that Sirianni was an offensive coordinator in Indianapolis. But I I don't think he was calling plays. I think think Frank Wright called the plays. But still, dog, you got to take it up off of him. That's even crazier. Maybe, this team's hire, hiring offensive coordinators years. who didn't call plays. <laughs> it's, that's the, yeah, that's the wild shit, man. And I think that's the thing that's going to help the enemy is because I don't care what Andy Reid says. Andy Reid was calling those plays. Like, yeah. that's been his thing, his whole career. He calls the plays. Yeah, he got the Denny's menu. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. his shit. So I think it was a good move on Eric B's part, considering that he knew he wasn't getting any head coaching jobs to get to Washington and get a chance to actually call plays. Because I fully expect, like, if he don't get a job this year, it's there's something wrong with him at this point. They're like something that we don't know about him personally, as you know, has been out there, and people don't fuck with him and all this other stuff. Um, but I expect him to to get a job this this time around. Send his ass to Carolina. Let him fix that. Axe, yeah. Brian Johnson, the Eagles offense. Um, it's definitely been disappointing. It's not never really a good look for a coordinator when it seems like quarterback is regressed. Like Hurts has had more turnovers, uh, hasn't been as sharp as he was last year. Um, they're kind of trending downward at the wrong time, as we alluded earlier about wanting to trade and have build good momentum for the playoffs. Um, Antonio, well, I say Antonio. A.J. Brown seems a little bit frustrated out there. Um, He had a good streak earlier this year, but apparently he wants to get the ball more. Um, Swift, they're not really utilizing him best way they should. And it's just, it's a little concerning. Um, I would have a high concern level if I was an Eagles fan. It's still time, and the NFC is kind of wide open, although I do believe the Niners are the best. The rest of those teams are susceptible to get beat. Like, I'm not really moved by Dallas or Detroit or the Seahawks. The Rams are, like, the only other team that's kind of... Rams are looking a little spooky. Yeah, they're the only team that's kind of dangerous. Tampa Bay's playing good, too. Yeah. Like, I don't expect too much out of them, but they 
both those teams are playing well. Um, Eagles have time to get it together, but Johnson's going to have to dig in his bags. If not, he might be a one-and-done coordinator. And that'd be unfortunate for the black man, but Philly's based on results, man. Like, how we don't play those games? Like, if you don't execute, you, you out of there. Speaking of executing and getting up out of there, Ravens-Dolphins this week, man. If the Ravens can trash bag the Dolphins and the 49ers in back-to-back weeks, those offenses, they might be, you know, every year. It's either these unstoppable teams or these teams that catch on fire at just the right time. And we've already kind of known that we've already had conversations on this pod before. Are the Ravens elite? Are they not? Well, they're both got elite talent, and it looks like they're getting hot just the right time. What do you think about that matchup this week? Um, definitely think it's going to be interesting. It's going to test our uh, secondary. I I don't know if Waddle's going to play or not, but him and Tyreek, that's a good test. Uh, last time we played Tua, he, he lit up our secondary. Because we had a lot of third stringers and rookies in. So now that we're better this time around, I, I definitely feel like it's revenge on the horizon. Because we owe them one. Because they, they had a crazy comeback on us last year. Two or three for like six touchdowns. So, yeah, we owe them one. Um, If we close out today, we win the AFC. And we get that first round bye. Uh, last time we had the first round bye, we came out super trash against Tennessee. And we was rusty. So it seemed like the team don't even want the first round by. They just want to keep it rolling. But it's it's huge implications. I feel like we want to pull it out. I just feel like we're playing too good right now. As long as we get pressure on Tua, get back there, get some sacks, force some bad throws, I feel like we'll be in great shape. Um, their defense, Ramsey has improved their defense, but they, they're not used to going up against a Lamar Jackson-type quarterback. I got us winning by like 10 points against Miami. Okay. Tay, uh, we have a joint game of the week this week. It got mentioned a little bit earlier. Any any quick thoughts on um what could be the swan song for our for our guy Rivera? Um, they're just gonna let him finish the season. I know Peak, I know Peagle will miss playing against him. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I love a coach that won't go for two when he's supposed to. Yeah. I, I just think um they'll they'll just let the season like it's it's really no point now like to to fire him with two games. I just gonna let him finish the season and you know that Monday after regular season everyone gets fired. He'll he'll be one of them. I don't know who else is gonna get fired this year. Maybe Bill Belichick. Maybe that news will come out. I don't know, but yeah, I I think I think just let him. Let him play the season out. Why not? He already knows. He's probably clearing out his stuff now. He probably already knows. It's just not official. But um, yeah, I think his job's done. Here, you know, like he, I don't want to keep saying it, but he he was he was a commander for a little too long, for a reason. You think this is going to be a uh, an unholy beatdown? No, not really. No. Okay, you don't think so. All right, hey, hey, this is sad. I'm, I'm gonna tell you how I look at every game. I just don't want the team to score fifty. I, that's a win for me. I, they might. 
Oh, <laughs> and like 49, like when we played the Dolphins, they scored 45. I'm happy. Good job, man. <laughs> they scored 50. Because I, I don't want to like start reaching the historic numbers like the Broncos and stuff. I, I don't I don't want that. But you know, I'm just I'm focused on the draft and, and offseason now. So winning now, spoiling your like, you know, dropping your dynasty, that's not doing anything for us. That's hurting us more than it's helping us. So yeah, I mean. Uh, we can lose the rest of the season. We're on a losing streak anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Eagle, who do the Eagles got this week? We have the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, God damn it. This is the worst possible uh, fucking time. Well, we no, gotta lose one no, more. Come on. Here's 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 the here's the the case for a letdown here. We're playing against Jonathan Gannon. Yeah. And I think he's a fucking idiot. I have mm-hmm. been vocal about this since the beginning of last year. I told motherfuckers week one he was trash and he was going to lose his game, and that's exactly what the fuck he did in the biggest game of the year. That being said, he knows the team. And those kind of return matchups are always dangerous the first time around, and it might get ugly, on top of the fact that our linebackers suck and Kyler Murray is still fast even with half an ACL. So there's room for a letdown from the defensive side adding to the fact that Brian Johnson can't call plays, which means we might only put up like 21 points in this game. Yeah, your your biggest advantage against them is that their defense is fucking bad. Terrible. But, but, but we're a wide receiver screen yeah, yeah. and give them a shot. Okay. So that's, okay. that's my case for them beating us. I fully expect to beat them motherfuckers by like 20. Cause like I said, Gannon's a fucking idiot. I just, I, I have no faith in him doing anything right. I'll, let's just say my, my me and my friends, my fellow 49ers cohorts, uh, we saw a few videos from Cardinals camp, Jonathan Gannon, and we all just messaged each other like, oh, this is going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> so glad this guy's a head coach in the division now. <laughs> I was so glad we left his ass in Arizona. Well, with that, we go to center court. Time for some NBA. All right, we're we're well into the throes of the NBA season. A um, couple weeks after this, and then we had the big Christmas uh, showcase this last week. Uh, True, you seemed very displeased with what you were seeing on Christmas. Uh, General Eagles, Eagles last. True, uh, you know progress that we've seen the season so far. NBA uh, Christmas showcase thoughts on the NBA. These motherfuckers suck. Um, it's really no nice way to say it. Uh, I've never seen people get paid 40 50 million dollars to go out there and suck ass on the basketball court. Um, I'll say this though. Um, I think you're starting to see certain teams kind of round, you know, round in the form. I mean, we could obviously talk about the Detroit Pistons and what they've uh, what they've been doing, they are rounding into perfect form for uh the draft lottery um <laughs> have they have they still not won a game as, as as we're talking they're down four to the nets with 10 minutes and 40 seconds left and they go. how many do they have left for the, the streak for the win for the if record they lose tonight it's it's the record oh fuck it's on right now i'm putting that on oh shit I, i'm yeah i've been keeping track of it this whole time oh hell yes 
anyways, keep continue, continue. Yeah, no. So um, we are, you know, I, you know, I think there is something to be said about about what's going on with uh, you know, with a lot of these teams. You know, the the Blazers are stinking up the joint. The Pistons are stinking up the joint. You know, like there's the middle of the road teams like the Nets, like the the Hawks, the the Bulls in the East, and then you know in the West. Um, you know, Utah Jazz, we don't expect Utah to really do much of anything. Um, you know, personally, you know, I don't at least. So, you know, I, I think there's, there's something, you know, there's something there in, in, in the way of like, I don't, I don't, I feel like the NBA is wide open this year. And this is the most wide open it's been. Because I can't look at any team and be automatically like, yo, this is the favorite. If you look in the East, I think the Celtics probably are your your pick for the favorite. Um, But in my mind, I don't necessarily look at them and go, you know, yeah, they're definitely the favorite. You know what I mean? Like, I don't don't know that. So I guess we got to see what they look like. You know, more games against the Bucs. Um, you know, uh, fully healthy Sixers. I don't think the Celtics will probably beat them, but it's just like those are the, that's the only team I could pe- could see people saying because even though the Timberwolves are the number one team in the West, um, I'm still I'm not a hundred percent sold. Like even right now, as we're doing this, the Timberwolves are down to OKC, and OKC has like literally nobody who can rebound, like literally nobody who can rebound, and and as I say that, the leading rebounder on OKC as as we're recording this is Lou Dort and uh, SGA. And that's your, you know, that's your three guard, that's your three who really is the size, like, size of a two and your point guard. So when you look at that and then you see what the Timberwolves are doing, like they have just way too many uh, lapses. And in, in, in my opinion, they have way too many lapses. So, um, I, you know, I don't... I don't know. Right now, I don't feel like we're seeing anything particularly special from uh, really any team. You know, I, I definitely like the 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 offensive flow. I like the Sacramento Kings, and I, I like what you know Tyrese Halliburton is doing with the Pacers. Um, the Clippers are kind of on the roll right now, but they just got destroyed by the Celtics. So you know that's a you know um, Luca went crazy the other night on Christmas. I, I did enjoy that. That was probably the only performance. I enjoyed on Christmas, um, you know, the Bucks. the Bucks are looking decent, but they just, they just lost to the Knicks. Um, it's, I don't know, man. It's, it, this is a weird season because I'll say this is a very boring NBA season to me, but I, 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 I can, you know, the, the Nuggets are probably the team I say that's rounding in the form with, with the Clippers in the West and the Celtics are still pretty good, obviously. Um, and that's pretty much the only teams that I think, you know, we're about to head to a new year. So, you know, I, I don't really know what, what their focus is, um, what, like where everybody's focus is in terms of the teams and stuff like that. But honestly, uh, it doesn't seem like these teams are given a hundred percent every night, which is not really a surprise, but you know, yeah, uh, just nothing. Like I said, it's just nothing, man. It's just nothing um 
nothing going on in the NBA right now. This is actually the worst fucking time of the year. I enjoyed the Christmas, and I, I was going to say, I didn't enjoy many of the Christmas games either. I didn't really enjoy the Christmas games for the NFL either, but I damn sure didn't enjoy the Christmas games. Outside of the Bucks and the Knicks, I really didn't enjoy it. I thought the, the, the Warriors game, Steph always played like he has a 20, 20 IQ on Christmas. He <laughs> sells all the time. Steve Kerr is a, is a jackass. And then you name. go to the yeah, you know, you got the Celtics. <laughs> you got the Celtics and the Lakers. Uh, I, actually, you know what? Nah, nah. I'm not letting, uh, you know, bald Cedric Sabalas get off that easy. I saw the Celtics lose. I mean, Celtics beat the, the Lakers. The Lakers lost. The Lakers lost, and LeBron James ain't do shit in that game. So, I am just lost as to how LeBron goes and says, hey, we're not really healthy. That's a part of the issue that we have right now, is that we're not really healthy. AD has played the most games, I think, like this point, like 30, 40 games into the season. I think this is the most healthy he's been in years. He just, he put up like back to, what, damn near back to back 40 point, 20 uh, and 20 rebound games. You got Austin Reeves, you got D'Angelo Russell, you got whatever. You got all these people. And here we are in the end of December, and LeBron, as great as he has been in his career, around late late December, early January, what happens when his team is not doing good or they're not doing the heat like he wants them to? What happens? He starts his whining. He starts his, I don't know if we can really compete with everybody. I, th- I think we need a little more. He does this all the fucking time. So I say that to say, I think the Lakers, although they won the quote-unquote in-season tournament by beating the, the bottom four seeds uh, of the West and then and then beating uh, the Pelicans. Well, the Pelicans sold. I don't care what nobody said. They sold that game on purpose. That shit was bullshit. Ain't never seen them play like that. This whole entire they 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 in a they in a dog fight with the Grizzlies. They in dog fights with the, with the Warriors. They in a dog fights with the fucking Timberwolves, and they fucking got destroyed by the fucking Lakers. And who who can't fucking beat like regular like regular teams? Who you know what I'm saying? I I I don't like the Lakers and how Braun is doing this. I feel like we're well beyond the point of Braun doing his whole. We need to get better. Because we need to da da da. Next thing you know, oh, the Lakers are interested in Zach Levine. Oh, the Lakers are interested in Dejounte Murray. Like all, both clutch clients. First of all, let's point that out. Both clutch clients, who just happens to be LeBron's. That's LeBron's thing. So, I, I, I like that's the one thing I don't like about the NBA is that we give excuses, and the same could be said for Kevin Durant too. I'm not gonna let, not gonna talk about balls to balls without talking about his soon to be ball brother in KD. I think KD has a has a problem where he left the dynasty that could have helped shape his legacy even more and left the best player he's ever played next to, the best team he's ever played for. All because, what it is is that KD left because of the reporters and because of the fact he had never intended to stay forever. But I think he did find like lifelong bonds and friendship and all that stuff. But Business is stronger than all of that shit. You know, that like you can be the man somewhere else. If you team up with Kyrie, nobody's gonna take Kyrie over KD. You know, if you team up with James Harden, most people are gonna go KD over James Harden. 
So it just probably made more sense for him to go with people. Even even now, like not nobody, not too many people going to take Devin Booker right now over KD. They probably wouldn't took him before either. I think that's another thing. Is like he wants to he wants to have good co stars, but he still wants to be the man. I thought he I think he thought he was going to come into Golden State and kind of take over everything. Where it's like that Steph's team. You joined, you were the best, you know, arguably the best player on the team while you were there. Just wasn't gonna happen. So he went to New York. New York did not work out. He's in Phoenix. Phoenix is not working out because you made stupid trade. Bradley Bill was not a smart trade. Uh, I think we said this when it first happened. Second round exit. They they not even looking like they're gonna make the damn playoffs if they keep playing the way they're playing. So not even a second whole, round squad. Yeah, you know. So I think that's an issue. And I don't feel sympathy for Katie. Like people are like, oh, he deserves better. I'm like, I don't see where he deserves better. This is the 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 bed you made. You wanted to go somewhere else. You went there. You have no real point guard because there is no real point guard in Phoenix. Um, even when Bradley Bill comes back, you're asking Devin Booker to play the one, which he can, you know, he's a decent passer, he got a nice hand, decent handle, and he's a you know shooter and stuff like that. He got a fa- fairly decent uh, you know, court vision, but I think he's always been a two his whole career. So you're asking him to be something different. Uh, KD can actually, you know, you know, kind of run point every now and then. He, he's a pretty decent passer for um, for being near seven foot. He, he could do just about anything on the court. But you're still asking so much of your big three. Bradley Bill has never been in a position where he was expected to win anything or be successful. That is the truth about Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill also has a back injury uh, that is not going away. That's the worst injury you could have, you know, outside of like a, you know, like a Achilles or ACL, something like that. Like if you're doing a back injury is hard in, especially in basketball. So I feel like the Bradley Bill trade is extremely expensive. They can't upgrade and fix their roster because you have no more money left. You got three people making 30, 40 million dollars. You got Grayson Allen, who last uh, the other day on Christmas was the leading scorer, I think, on the team. And then you've, you know, you, you got a uh, like who Eric Gordon, like that's it. So I think like KD knew what he was doing when he made his move. He knew what the fuck he was doing. And now look, this is where he's at. So it is what it is. You made your bed, brother. You got to lay in it. And, you know, I, I that's those are the two situations. I, I don't feel sympathy for like you got the, the Lakers and the, and the Suns are both like right there in the same. Like, I think the Suns. I mean, uh, Lakers, Warriors, and Suns are like ninth, tenth, and eleventh in the West, and we we talking about two All Star level talents on both the uh, the Lakers and uh, and the Suns. So I feel like if you complain about it, you just got to get better. You just got to play harder, play better defense, um, better rotations. The same thing for the Warriors. The Warriors need to run their best rotations. It's the only team I've ever seen that will be leading on. The, the Wolves, the the Thunder, teams that are higher, better records than them right now. Uh, the Nuggets, and then they completely fuck it up with stupid rotations by Steve Kerr or, you know, just you, you, the people who are not hot in the game. You're taking you're taking people who have some momentum and putting them on the bench for people who've been dry all game. That's, that's dumb to me. So I think those three teams, they need to figure something out because there's no way. Like I said, the Warriors, I think the Warriors might be okay. You know, I think there's some they're starting to get some momentum. Um, the bullshit with Jokic and them fouls, because a lot of them just was not real fouls. Um, uh, them, them all them damn free throws, slowing to get pace of the game down. 
Uh, I mean, I'm glad Steve Kerr finally said something. It just it took you years to say something, and you still ain't complaining about your superstar not getting calls. Everybody has complained about their superstars not getting calls except Steve Kerr. Like, that's what coaches are supposed to do. But um, so I think the Warriors, they're, they're, like, slightly turning the corner. We'll see how it is when Draymond, Gary Payton, uh, Gary Payton, uh, the second game back. Um, I feel like the I thought the Lakers, like, I think they're getting the best, AD, the best out of AD right now. And it's just like Brown ain't really giving a hundred percent. He 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 was cooking in the uh in the OKC game, but through this little losing streak, you know they had I think they like two and six in their last eight after the in season tournament. Like I don't feel like they've been you know it's like they won the in season tournament and it's just like okay we're not doing nothing else. Like we we like we good we got that trophy and it's no need to go hard. Maybe we'll just but it's like you can't. Because let's say the Warriors go on like a four or five game win streak and the Lakers next lose the next couple two and the Suns start winning, then the Lakers fall into out of out of the play in out of the play in tournament. So it's it's too close right now. It's just too close. Like a two to three game losing streak could could knock you into twelfth or eleventh, and a three to four game win streak can put you into like eighth or seventh seed right now in the West. So like I said, I, I don't really see anything. Sticking out in the West, let's say uh, Minnesota. I absolutely, um, I got, uh, I got no faith in Minnesota. So, um, if I had to pick anybody in the West right now, especially with the generational whistle that Jokic just got, I'm gonna say Denver probably got the most momentum. Um, and you know, Celtics look, Celtics looks all right, look all right right now. You know, they ain't look too good against the Warriors. You know, when they lost on OT, but. Otherwise, you know, they 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 dominated the Clippers. That shit was embarrassing. And um, yeah. So let me say the NBA's dog shit this year. It's dog shit to me. I'm sure Axe is happy though. Axe, have you yeah, been enjoying to... the NBA? Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to disagree with that. I mean, as far as games yesterday, you had Jalen Brunson, who's been playing at a high level, drop 36. I'm going to keep reiterating the point about the Bucs. Um, they don't have good perimeter defense. They've played the 30th, uh, no, the 30th um, strongest schedule. So they've had the weakest schedule. They're 22 and 8, but they don't play anybody. Like I want to see them against better competition. I personally think they're overrated and they can't match up with us. As far as the Celtics, we're 15 and 1 with Porzingis, Drew Holiday, Derek White, and the two Jays start. We're um, 15 and five against teams above 500. We played the toughest schedule so far. So now we're about to start playing like the, D- the Detroits of the world. So our record's going to be even better. Um, Derek White with the bald head, averaging 16 a game. He's filling in nice for Martin Smart. Porzingis with 28 and 11 in two blocks. He's filling in nice for Rob and Grant Williams. Um, we're just playing at a high level. It's championship of bust. I've been saying that all year. Um, as far as Luca, he's been playing amazing ball. Phoenix, I, I'm very concerned about the Phoenix Suns. Uh, KD and Booker, that's too much talent for them. I understand they don't have a point guard. Rim protection is a little bit ass. They don't really have a bench. But we got KD and Booker. You're not supposed to be 14 to 15. I'm sorry, they got to do better. Um, as far as Braun and the Lakers. I definitely think a trade's coming with that GM quote he had yesterday. Talking about we ain't where we need to be as far as the championship squad. Um, 
I don't know about the Deontay Murray fit. He's another shot creator, but he doesn't really space the floor. He's going to be a catch-and-shoot guy with Braun there. Now, I don't know if that's really his strength. Um, Levine, we'll see what happens with him. Bulls have been playing better without him recently. Uh, I understand what True means about the Wolves. They've been playing better. Anthony Edwards, he's a great player, but it's hard trust trusting a uh, cat, me no black, me Dominican, Anthony Towns, because he mm. just plays weak as hell in the playoffs. His numbers decrease every year, so that's definitely understandable. Um, Philly looks fairly good. They didn't have Embiid yesterday, and Embiid's been playing great all season, just dominant, 34, 12, and 6. So it's a lot of parity going on. I just can't say that the league is in a bad spot. You got to change in the guard. You still got Braun, KD, and Steph playing at a high level, but you got the younger players trying to put their stamp on things and trying to take over and say, hey, this is our league now. So it's a good battle. Like, it's been a new champion every year the past six years. So it's definitely dope to see the parity. And I definitely think it's going to be another new champion this season with the Celtics. But time will tell. It all depends on poor Zingas health. Only reason we lost against Golden State is because we didn't have Porzingis. Like, that's just not a good matchup without Porzingis. But we bounced back. We won 10 out of our last 12 games. We were top three in offense and defense. So Celtics are a quality team. Like, we ain't just the maybe thing. Like, when we all play together, we're a quality team. Well, I just want to point out. I just want to point out real quick. I never said nothing wrong with the Celtics. I just said y'all lost to the what's the name? Because y'all did lost to the y'all lost to the Warriors. Otherwise, I had no issue with I issue with the Celtics. I thought y'all like say I'd say y'all the best team in the East. Y'all is probably the only only team that I see so far that looks great. But once again, like you said, X, you know, you said before in the past. I think I saw people mention this too. So I think it's funny. You know, they gotta get it done. You know, they got to get it done this year. They got to get it done. Like, you know, you can't – there's just so much to speak on with them. It's just like I think – you know, I personally think uh, the Celtics had a team to beat in the NBA this year, but Porzingis' health is is the issue because you keep mentioning Porzingis. I think Porzingis' health is is always going to be an issue. We've never seen him play into a finals or – I think the most he did was when he was in uh, Dallas for the. Uh, I think I could be I could be wrong. Was he playing in in that uh, Golden State Dallas uh, Western Conference Finals? I, I can't really remember, but I think that's as you know as far as we've seen him. And you know, so I, that was my thing. I just don't you know don't know how 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 that's gonna all work out. Uh, you know, when it comes down to it, but I, yeah, that's all I that's all I got to say. On that, on that one right there. But I, I, I agree. With, I agree. With, I guess I agree with X. I, I, I think they're the best team. You know, I think they're the best. Uh, they're the best team in the East right now, and the best team really in the NBA. Powerhouse Peagle, your thoughts on the NBA right now? I'm gonna disagree with X on one thing. Well, the Celtics lost to the Warriors because Mister I can't dribble with my left poke bear. Did all that uh, too small shit. It woke Steph ass up. Steph wasn't playing particularly great before that moment. Nigga <laughs> <laughs> gave him that too small. Steph was like, bet. Because, you know, Steph a demon. You don't do that. You don't do shit like that to demons. You don't, you don't wake demons up. But, uh, nah, man, I mean, the Celtics are 
far and away the best team in the East. Um, it don't even hurt me to say that no more. Ma- mainly because I don't expect them to win the fucking finals. Like, there's always something that comes up in the playoffs with them. And I just, I don't think that as great as he is, you can't trust Jason Tatum to be like your guy to push you to the finals because he's always going to fall back on trying to take the most difficult shot possible. It's going to be a step back one legged three at the worst possible moment. And he's going to fuck up all the momentum. And if that dude would just like that, that nigga worships Kobe worships him. If he just got his ass down on the block and worked that mid range, he probably average 35, 36 a game. His mid-range is about as money as anybody in the league, and he insists on taking just insanely difficult shots. Can get to the rack whenever he wants, strong as hell, long as hell, just do do everything you want as an offensive player and wants to take the hardest shots possible because he idolized that part of Kobe too. So until he – it's like he had moments like in the beginning of the year, I think, where it was like it was all mid-range work. He wasn't taking no crazy threes. You know, he wasn't settling for no dumb shots. It was all mid-range work, and he looked like he was MVP out the gate. And then he started falling back into that shit he always do. And as long as he's doing that, the Celtics really ain't going to do nothing because you can't trust Jalen Brown to go out and give you 30 on a consistent basis. He'll give you 20, 22, which ain't, obviously ain't bad as a number two option. But when them shots for Tatum ain't falling, somebody got to pick it up. I mean, thankfully, thankfully for them, Porzingis has shown himself to be at, at his healthiest, a very viable option, but they go as far as Jason Tatum do. Um, the West, I mean, that's Anthony Davis' team over there in Minnesota. Like, you ain't got to worry about Cat and Mr. Kovitovich over there. He's he's showing out. Like, I still can't fucking stand him. I don't think anybody else respect him. I but I can't front on. He, you know, Gobert, Gobert showing the fuck out. Um, I still think that whole situation runs through Denver, even with Jokic starting to get some of them, you know, really ridiculous calls. Because uh, Jokic is to me just that's a bad white boy. Like that's I just I ain't never seen nothing like. It's like if if Zebo, it's like if if they let Zebo run the like run the point, I think you would probably see the same shit. Because like a lot of people forget Zebo had that skill set. He could pass. He could give you that shit in the post. He wasn't no three-point shooter like that. But he could give you all that the other shit that Jokic was giving you. They just never put the ball in his hands like that because he wasn't – like, that error just wasn't for him like that. So I can't say necessarily I've never seen it, but I've never seen it like this. And as long as he's healthy, like, I think this whole shit still run through them. I got no faith in the Bucks because – Damian Lillard's on the team. So as long as Damian Lillard's on the team, you barbecue chicken on the perimeter and you're just going to lose in the playoffs. That, that just is what it is. Um, I think Embiid has finally just, like, decided, like, nobody can stop me. Embiid, like, it, it was something woke up in him the last, like, year and a half, two years, where he was just like, nah, I'm the baddest motherfucker on the court right now, and I'm just going to go do it. But it's still the Sixers. Like, I just... It's just certain shit you just can't get past until you get past it. And I think when you're in a situation where, like, Maxie's still young, so he's still got to go through those playoff growing pains, and then you still have to de- basically have to depend on Tobias Harris. I just, nah, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, 
Warriors are basically fucked as long as Steve Kerr continues to be the coach because there's there's no identifiable reason Moses Moody doesn't get more playing time. Kaminga doesn't get more playing time. I mean, the injuries have forced them into this position, but it shouldn't have been that. TJD is showing the fuck out. We're going to get to a point when Draymond comes back after TJD is sitting here averaging a double-double in like two minutes. We're going to get to a point where Dre's back in his rotation and we're going to be sitting just looking at the bench and TJD just going to be sitting there with a towel over his lap because he ain't, he ain't touched the court the whole fucking game. You got a fucking double-double on the bench. And because you a slave to your fucking rotations, you're going to have him sitting there until the end of the game when you done blown a 15-point lead and it's garbage time and you want to get a rebound just to try and play the foul game. Kerr is going to – he's going to fuck up the rest of Steph Curry's prime. And it's going to be – it's going to be one of those weird what-ifs because his legacy is set. But you're really going to be asking what they could have done if he was just smarter about his rotations. Because, I mean, there's times where they're blowing teams out and Steph has hit like five shots in a row. And then Steve Kerr looks at his watch and goes, up oh, four minutes before the end of the quarter, sit your ass down. And then there goes the lead. <laughs> It's just, I just, I, I have nothing else for that dude, man. I got, he's got to fucking go. He's just got to go. I don't disagree with you on that. I'll be honest. I've said this. I think coaches work for different eras, right? And so, you know, Coach Pop, like a lot of people say the game might have passed Pop by, by you know, by now, you know, I think some of his philosophies and some of the stuff like that. I mean, good basketball is good basketball, but, you know, Coach Pop has been around for a very, very long time. So, uh, you know, kind of one of those things where you just kind of look at it and go, all right, well, you know, this is what it is and, and you know, whatever. But in my honest opinion, I think uh, Steve Kerr, I never thought Steve Kerr was what you consider a great coach. I think he just walked into a situation with a budding superstar and Steph with uh, one of the greatest shooters of all time in clay. And you're talking about two guys who can go for 25 and 20 uh, any given night. And then you have a beast, which is, um, you know, Draymond, who was at that time, you know, 2016 Draymond is a different animal than Draymond. We've seen obviously last few years, but, 2016 and 2015 Draymond are they just just amazing. That's when he really came of age and you hadn't really seen too much uh you know too much else like him in the league at that time. He was great defensively and everything just kind of came together. But I think we saw in 2016 with the Warriors, Luke Walton coached them to a 24 and what 24 and 1 or some 24 and 0 or something like that. Two. You know, and so they started off with such a great record and start that's really where Steph started to make his MV, unanimous MVP campaign where you had, um, you know, uh, you had Steph going crazy. You had Clay, you had Draymond, you had uh, Iguodala coming off the bench. You had Andrew Bogut. Um, Bum-ass Harrison Barnes was had some good games here and there, you know. But to go from that to winning 67 games, 73 games, getting Kevin Durant, we never saw a challenge for Steve Kerr, because even in the 2016 finals, you playing Verja on fucking like 
And it, like you playing like, and that was like they were getting cooked in games five, six, and every time he fucking touched the court. And I remember, I remember this because me and Peagle were probably like texting about this shit, watching the fucking finals is happening. And I think we both like, nigga, why he keeps putting this nigga on the goddamn court? And it's like you frustrated with Kerr. And this is 2016, 2017. 2017 was the easiest year ever, right? The easiest you get KD, KD's locked in, KD's focused. It ain't no, it ain't no thing, right? It ain't no issue at all with that shit. You just you 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 breeze through 67 games, and guess what? They still struggled for certain points because when KD went out, they won 14 straight, and that's how they got the 67 wins in the first place. Uh, but they were 53 and like 13 or something like that before, which is still a great record, but they couldn't get it right because Steve Kerr didn't know. This is how we play. This is how we, we we move things. This is how we do this. This is how we do that. And then you have Steph who was trying to defer. And in 2018, what happened? 2018, they damn near lost to the Houston Rockets because they kept playing that my turn, your turn shit with the ISO stuff. And, and KD was cooking. KD was getting 40, 45, but nobody else could get in the Florida offense. And they were losing close games. And then you got, you know, uh, I think at that time, that's when Looney kind of made his name a little bit. But, you know, otherwise, like, we never saw Steve Kerr go through anything strenuous, anything crazy as a coach, up until literally Kevin Durant leaves and, and then Steph gets hurt, Clay's hurt. So you got a coach, uh, you know, some other guys who they were, let's be clear, the Warriors didn't have a great roster that year, where it was with D'Angelo Russell that they traded, they did the trade for, and then they had Glenn Robinson at the third and and uh, Marquise Chris. They didn't have a great roster, but those young and, and the Damian Lees and Juan Toscano Anderson, these niggas, like they still had hustle in them. They still had focus. And then you got Andrew Wiggins. And of course, COVID kind of stopped it, but they had the worst record in the league. So that's what you're going to get with Steve Kerr when he has no stars to cover up. And then Steph came back. Clay was out. And they were a what, uh, like thirty nine and, and thirty three or something like that, which was basically Steph had to go Hercules type carrying the motherfuckers to get to that, and that was one of Steph's most amazing feats. But guess what? If you played your rotations, you probably would have been off a little bit better off when they were playing Michael Mulder and fucking other people, I don't even, Kent Bazemore and people like that, you're playing these guys on the floor and they weren't adding anything to what they were like. Bazemore had like a Lynn Sanity run where he had like one or two games, like three games really. We had like 15 or 20 and they were like, oh, see, like, you know, Bazemore is pretty good. He's helped. Like, no, nigga, that not help. He trashed the other 60 games of the year. He got three good games. Like, he was, like, Steph was out there with his second option was Wiggins, and that Wiggins was good that year, but that should I don't think Wiggins was supposed to be second option. You can't win with that being your second option, and Damn. and so you give him Michael. You had an eight man rotation. They went fifteen and five because you know what? They had no choice but to run an eight man rotation because everybody else was hurt. That's the only time you get to see them do stuff is when they're backs against the wall. Right now, you're down Draymond. You're down Gary Payton. Um, you're down logic in your coach's brain, so you got to go with, well, damn, we don't have Draymond, so I guess we got to play Trish Jackson Davis. Uh, you know, like, we're, we're out of Gary, we, we down Gary Payton. 
Chris Paul was hurt for a little while. I guess we got to play pods. Well, uh, well, you know, since Chris Paul's out and Wiggins was hurt and sick for a while, I guess we got to play Moody. And instead of rewarding good play, you're like, well, Wiggins is back, so I guess we'll play Moses Moody like four minutes this game. Like, it doesn't make sense. And then he keeps putting Chris Paul and Steph on the floor together. And I know people think, well, that means, you know, Chris Paul's got the same vision and he's got better vision than Draymond. He can find stuff on the relocation. And that is what Chris Paul has done several times. I mean, hell, in the Celtics game, <clears throat> you know, Steph threw up that bullshit that, you know, Chris Paul got, you know, managed to get the rebound for. And, he, and Steph moved around to his relocate and, and Chris Paul found him. But you don't necessarily need Chris Paul to do that because you can have Steph handle the ball while he's on the floor because he's only just one of the greatest ball handlers you've ever seen. So why not let him go out there? He got some of the best handles. He does do very stupid ass turnovers, but that's, 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 that's Steph. He's, he's, it comes with it, man. It, it could be worse. Yeah. You know, I mean, but he, but you have, you have him handle the ball because, you can you can you can dish it off to a Kamingo. You can dish it off to a Wiggins. You can dish it off to whoever. And then if he relocates, this is the one thing that I think they missed from Draymond, is that Draymond knows how to put that shit right in the pocket when Steph moves, and that's the one thing that they're missing from Draymond on offense, is just that connection. Draymond don't really know how to find Wiggins like that. He might know how to find Clay, but he knows how to put the shit right in, in Steph's pocket. When Steph relocates in his off ball, and that is when Steph is very dangerous. Steph is older now. Steph might need to be on ball a little bit more sometimes. You know, all that running around all the time is not going to be the same thing. So I think the Warriors, like, they have everything they need, in my opinion, to actually compete with every other team in this NBA. All of this Siakam and fucking Larry marketing shit, it sounds good on paper. And I'm sure it'll help Steve Kerr if it happens. But it's the easy way out in the sense of, oh, let's give Steve Kerr another possible close to superstar as talent, and that'll make it easier for them. Whereas if you just play pods the right way, you allow Chris Paul to take a little bit of a step back and actually play a couple less minutes because they play better when they're fast paced with your pods and Kamingas and guys like that. That's going to make the difference. Steve Kerr is so set in his old ass ways that he doesn't fucking realize he has the talent that he needs right there in front of him. You just play him. Moses Moody was better in his role than Wiggins was for most of the season. Wiggins has three good games, all games they lost, by the way. And it's like, well, Wiggs is back. I think we got two way Wiggs back. It's been 30 fucking games. The nigga was trash in 25. Like, you, like, e managing egos in the NBA is stupid. And the Warriors right now seem to be the team going through it the most, and they shouldn't be because their whole slogan is fucking strength and numbers and all this other bullshit. That's what you, that's what you came up by. You should go 11-12. You can go 11-12, man, 12-man rotation because you have the talent to switch them out. It's based on matchups. You should not have Dario Sark out there at the fives because if you're getting cooked against your Jokic's and your fucking Embiid, he's going to get cooked. Don't put him at the five. You can put him at the four. But it's like you running these, like they ran them lineups early in the year when they was losing games. Sark be out there, oh, Sark, he got like 15 points. He had a couple threes. But you gave up 20 on the other end because of that. Like it's just not, like their defense has to get better. Kaminga is a big part of it. Wiggins' defense is getting a little bit better. 
Clay's defense has gotten better. I gotta give Clay outside of the Christmas game, he's been great uh, in these other games. I don't know what happened. I mean, maybe the altitude, he old, you know, the bad knees, bad whatever. But he's been really good. He stepped his game up. He got he got sat on the, on the bench in the fourth quarter of one of them games, and he came back out and started firing and got better. That's what you're supposed to do. But that doesn't mean just because you play better that your spot is solidified and you can bullshit off and get and get put in the game when you cold. And that's what happened against the Nuggets on Christmas. They took Kaminga out when Kaminga could get to the rim and get whatever he wanted. They started taking what pods out and they, and they putting Chris Paul in. And these, they, these were hot, these were hot hands, you know, especially pods. And so I think you take them out and then you put Chris Paul in because you want to go with your veterans. That's fucking like, that's fucking the game. Up. And that's the only team that has this type of problem. Because they have a, they're the only team that has a core that's been together this long. So this is the difference in the NBA, where you have a core that's been together twelve years, with uh, their starting center being there for like six or seven years, and it makes it a hard conversation because most teams just move away from you after three or four years. You don't have the, those kind of longevity things, and so you can't go to the Washington Wizards and, and have this issue. You can't look at the Atlanta Hawks and have this issue. You can't look at the fucking Bulls and have this issue because they 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 traded for Vucevic. They traded for, you know, DeRozan. They traded for Levine. Like, none of the original players that were there three or four years ago are there for a lot of these teams. And that's where the Warriors are a bit different. And Steve Kerr is the worst coach to navigate this because he should be the best because he saw it with the Bulls and he was there, you know, doing some work with the Spurs and all that. But no. He's not he's the worst person because he does not know how to manage these egos and, and let Draymond know, hey, man, you need to calm that shit the fuck down. Let Clay know, hey, nigga, you trash right now. Get it together. This guy's playing. Moses Moody is playing better than you. He has a better he can dribble the ball better than you. And he's playing within the flow of the game better than you. That's what you're supposed to do. Not like, well, we got to manage egos. Fuck ego. This is hoop. You trying to win or are you trying to get your stats off, nigga? Steve Kerr ain't built like that. He ain't built like that. The only person he ever seems fit to 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 give hell to is Steph. <laughs> That's literally the only person he's seen to give hell to. When Steph get hot, he like like people said, sit him on the bench. You get a curry flurry. Steph hit about three, four threes in a row, and it's in the third quarter, and Steph is cooking. And next thing you know, Steve Kerr they call timeouts, and Steph is on the bench. It's terrible management of your superstars. It's terrible management of your fucking of your of your team, and that is one hundred percent Steve Kerr. And he is to me, he's not the worst coach in the NBA, but he damn sure close. He damn sure close to me. You know who the worst coach in the NBA is? The man who just authored a twenty-seven game losing streak. Oh, it happened. Which is. The Which Detroit Pistons are the worst team in the history of forever. We, we thought it was going to be the day. We thought this was going to be the game. Man. We were talking but, about this but, it was, like, but, dog, it was close. Kay Cunningham put up 41-37 in the second half. They was down like two with like three minutes to go. They almost got – they almost blew it. Which is crazy. Uh, I just want to say, Kay Cunningham, Free I mean, that's a – that boy is – that boy is something. That boy is something. And he now when you talk about somebody who deserves better, he deserves better. That's a fact. he deserves better. That 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 boy deserves better, man. That boy is that's that's a hooper. That boy is hooping. And that's just 
I I don't know, man. Um, I I do wanna I do wanna say really quick um, about about one thing. Uh, Kobe White uh, for the Bulls has been a godsend, even though there's 13 and 18 right now. He's been a godsend for the Bulls. I think he makes all the difference in the world going forward if they want to get rid of Zach Levine, which seems very likely. Um, so I just I just wanted to point that out because I know they're playing the Hawks right now as as we speak. And um, yeah, like I said, the NBA. I don't know, man. Like I said, these matchups at the end of the year, these some stanky matchups, bro. These, these some, you know, we about to have the Kings and the Blazers and the, and the Hornets and the, and the Clippers right as we we doing this. That's some stanky matchups, man. And, and like they they's not competitive. They're not gonna be some competitive games like that. And I I, I just yeah. So so like I can say. Well, we hope it's been a solid matchup for all listeners out here on this edition of the Sports Super Pod. Please join myself, True, and we're working on a lineup of some pretty interesting honored guests for the week in wrestling this week. It's going to be our end-of-year review, end-of-year awards for the world of wrestling uh, coming up this weekend. Usual time, usual release. Get you a little primed for a AEW World's End as well. And we will be back next week, as per always. The sports super pod might even sneak in a little college football action since the playoffs will be going on. We'll cover it all because world of DAR never stops.